0: Welcome to our online worship gathering at Vaughn Forest Church. If you're just joining us for the first time today, my name's Adam, I'm the pastor here, and uh, we're honored that you chose to spend some time with us. You picked a great day to jump in. We're kicking off a brand new series today called I Am, on the seven I Am statements from Jesus in the Gospel of John. But before we get into the message for today, we're gonna spend some time in worship, and so our team's gonna lead us in just a few moments, but before they do, let me challenge you maybe to block out all of the distractions around you Focus your heart, focus your mind on God because we believe that he wants you to experience him in a real way today. So before we worship, would you join me as we pray together? And so God, we come to you right now and we are grateful that we have this opportunity to worship you. God, as we worship you today, we ask that you would speak to us. We ask that we would experience you in a real and a new way. Lord, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Never gonna let me down, you are never gonna let I never gonna let me down, and you are never gonna let never gonna let me down, and you are never gonna let never gonna let me down. promise still stands, a great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence, you never failed me yet. to kill.
0: God, we thank you that we can rest in your faithfulness. God, we are grateful that when we are faithless, you are faithful. God, we thank you that in every season, you are the same. So God, we come before you today based on who you are, based on the fact that you remain the same in your faithfulness towards us. God, we thank you for that. We worship you for that. And we pray all of these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So grateful for our worship team as they've continued to lead us every single week as we've been gathering online. And I'm so grateful for all of you as you've continued to join us every single week. And man, I'm excited about today, as I mentioned earlier, uh, kicking off a brand new teaching series today on the I Am statements from Jesus. We're gonna be in this series for seven weeks. Jesus makes seven I Am statements about himself in the Gospel of John. Uh, we're gonna be in John chapter six today. So if you have a Bible and you wanna go ahead and turn there, that's where we find the first of these I Am statements from Jesus. But before we get into the text today, I've got a few things that I want us to celebrate together as a church. First of all, I wanna celebrate last Sunday uh, being Easter. It was an awesome celebration. So grateful to all of you who joined Joined us for our Easter services. We had several people indicate that they made a decision to make Jesus Christ their Savior. They crossed that line of faith. We're so proud of them. We're following up with them, and hopefully, uh, we're going to be able to celebrate their baptism during the month of May. I'm going to have more to say about that in the coming weeks. I know many of you have been asking about baptism and how we're gonna do that during the season. I'm excited to get to share some ideas with you uh, in this series. The second thing I wanna celebrate is our staff. You've probably noticed by now, but we are blessed, Vaughn Forest with such an incredible staff as they continue to minister to all of you during the season. I'm so grateful for Ashley and Jamie, how they've ministered to our kids, for Luke, with our student ministry. If you've got a teenager and they are not on the Wednesday night, Zoom call, Zoom conference, Zoom meeting, Zooming all over the place with our teenagers and Luke, make sure that they are joining uh, the teenagers each week. I'm grateful for PJ, all of our life group leaders and how they have been ministering to so many people in our church. Hardy has been in such a great job taking the lead with a lot of our community initiatives, one of which I'm gonna share with you in just a minute. And then Chad and Matt and Charles, as they've led our worship team every single week, continuing to provide services for all of you. We are blessed to have such a great Staff. I also wanted to take a moment to recognize Gail Clucking, and many of you know Gail. She's been serving on our team for many years as our grow minister, and Gail has recently decided to step into a new season for her in retirement, and so we are happy for Gail and Tony as they get to step into this new season to have more time with their family, sad that she won't be on our staff team anymore because she does such a great job, but really happy that Gail and Tony are still going to be at Vaughn Forest. This is still going to be their church home. So I didn't want that to get lost in the middle of this season. So I know we're not physically together under one roof every single week. So I want to ask you just to reach out to Gail this week through social media or texting or phone call or email. Let her know how much you appreciate everything she's done for our church. And then when we get back together on our campus, I can't tell you when that's going to be. But when we get back together on our campus, we're going to have a fun celebration honoring Gail, thanking her for her service so many years at Vaughn Forest Church. And then finally, the last thing I want to celebrate is another need that we were able to step into this past week here and our community. We partnered with Montgomery Fight COVID-19 and a a number of other organizations as well to meet a very pressing need, I'm sure you're aware of, when it comes to masks, specifically for those who are on the front line serving in the medical field, um, serving in our hospitals and all over the place. And so our campus really served as the place where everybody came together to make sure that the masks were sterilized properly, packaged together properly, distributed, properly. And rather than me try to explain everything, uh, thankfully, we have a video that does a much better job showing you what happened this past week at our campus. So take a look at this video. That's awesome to see that happened here on our campus just this past week, and it's a reminder that your giving makes a difference. I say this every week, but your giving is what makes everything we do as a church possible. And we said early on when we entered this new season that we wanted to be able to say yes to needs. And last week I told you about a need we were able to meet in Nepal, And, and today I'm telling you about a need that we were able to meet here locally. And let me just say thank you. I've just been blown away by your generosity as a church family. And it's because of your generosity that we are able to continue to say yes. In fact, I was just made aware of a need yesterday that we're gonna step into this next week, and I can't wait to share that with you next Sunday. So let me challenge you, continue to give, continue to be generous. You can give at vonforest.com. you can give using the app, or you can text to give. And as we continue to be generous, we're gonna continue to take the gospel message forward you know we're not in one place but that does not mean the church is not at work that does not mean we aren't experiencing community we are sharing the gospel we're meeting needs and so it's awesome to see that in a season none of us would have ever chosen none of us would have ever anticipated God is still at work And I'm so grateful for our heroes, like the video just pointed out, who continue to serve and meet needs. And we are continuing as a church to be in prayer for God's empowerment for those who are meeting those needs. And so a lot's happening, but rest assured, a lot of good is still happening in the middle of this season. And as I mentioned earlier, we're in a new series today. We're looking at the I am statements of Jesus. So before I jump into John chapter six, let me say a couple things about this series. One, I think this is a really good series for anybody out there who would call themselves a skeptic. So if you've got a friend, neighbor, coworker, family member, and they're a little skeptical about the things we believe concerning our faith, this might be a great series uh, to send them. Maybe you want to share it with them. Maybe you want to invite them to join us um, on Sundays. Hopefully our services, you've already noticed that you can access them a number of different ways. You can send them to friends. You can share them through Facebook or YouTube or our website, And so I think this would be a great series. They've got some time on their hands. Maybe you want, want to invite them into it. The second thing I would say is I think this is a really encouraging series for uh, those of us maybe who would say we are Christians and we've been walking with Jesus for quite some time. You know, there's something about coming back to the words of Jesus. There's something about studying his words and letting his words resonate and meditating on his words that draws closer to him and challenge us to grow in our faith. So I'm really excited about this series and I'm really excited to see what God's going to do. Through this series. So we're going to be in John chapter 6 today. I'm about to read a, a rather long passage, but before I do, let me give you a couple of things that have already happened in John chapter 6 before the passage I'm about to read, because the context is going to really help us see uh, the meaning about what's happening in this passage. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds the five thousand. Maybe you've heard of this miracle. It's a miracle that's actually listed in all four gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, in John's gospel, we find it in John chapter six, and we find that only the men were counted. So we say the feeding of the 5,000, but more than likely it was closer to 15,000 people that were fed that day, when you factor in the women and the children as well. So Jesus takes the five loaves of bread, the two fish, he prays over them, he multiplies them, feeds 5,000 people, unbelievable miracle. Then in John chapter 6, evening comes, and it's during that nighttime that Jesus walks on water. So that's kind of like a back-to-back, really? I mean, feed 5,000 people, walk on water. Where we're going to pick it up in John chapter 6, verse 25 here in just a moment is the next day. So it's the next day, Jesus is on the other side of the lake because he walked there, and the people who he fed from the feeding of the 5,000, they've walked around the lake because they're not Jesus, they can't cross the water, so they went around the lake, and they've caught up with Jesus, and they catch up with Jesus. This conversation ensues, and in the middle of this conversation, we get Jesus' first I am statement where he tells us he's the bread of life. So it's kind of a longer passage, so hang with me. John chapter 6, starting in verse 25, it says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus is like, man, I walked across the water. I've been here all night. When did you get here? But that's not what Jesus said, okay? But they asked him, when did you get here? Jesus said in verse 26, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life." which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Son of Man was really the most common phrase Jesus would use to refer to himself, and Son of Man was synonymous with Messiah. So Jesus is letting them know who he is. He's not trying to keep this a mystery. He says, I'm the Son of Man, I'm the Messiah. Verse 28, therefore they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, That you believe in him who he has sent. And so what are we supposed to do? Jesus said, it's simple. You just have to believe in the person that he has sent. And that's me. I just referred to myself as the son of man. Verse 30. So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Now, I gotta give a little bit of explanation here because now this conversation starts happening where they're talking about manna and Jesus is talking about bread. like, what's going on there? A little Old Testament reference. So in the Old Testament, if you're new to the Bible, Moses he leads the Hebrew people out of slavery, out of Egypt into freedom. They, God parts the Red Sea and uh, they go into freedom. Now, for the next 40 years, they wander around in the wilderness. And I don't have time to explain all the reasons why they were wandering around in the wilderness. But while they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, God fed them every single day. And God fed them manna from heaven. Manna would fall down from heaven. And the closest thing to describe it is like a, a bread-like bread like substance, but they really didn't know what to call it. The word manna is literally translated, what is it? So it was like year after year, they kept saying, what is it? What is this stuff? What is it? And finally, somebody was like, that's it. We're going to call it that. What is it? Okay. So that's what it was called. What is it? Manna. Nobody knew, but it was close to bread. And what they're saying to Jesus is, is Moses got God to send down manna every day from heaven. And, and you fed us yesterday. And so, man, you know, if if Moses could hook them up in the Old Testament, they didn't call it the Old Testament at the time. It was just their Hebrew scriptures. But if Moses hooked them up, then it seems like you might be the guy to be able to hook us up now with, with more bread. This is pretty awesome. I mean, dropping down from heaven. And what Jesus is trying to help them see is that bread has come down from heaven but, but it's not manna from old, it, it's actually bread that is bread of life and God has sent you this bread and, and you're missing it because I am actually that bread. And he goes just so far to be as clear as he can be in verse 34, they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. There's two different conversations happening here. Have you picked up on that? Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. Two different conversations. They're talking about two different types of bread. They're literally there in the presence of our Savior, the Messiah. He's telling them he's the Messiah. He's telling them he's the bread of life. And they're missing it because they're looking for something else. If you're taking notes today, I'm going to share with you three truths that I believe that we can see from this story where we see the first I am statement of Jesus. I think there are three things that those who were there on that day could recognize. And I think there are three things that we here today can recognize as well. So if you're taking notes this morning, let me ask you to jot down the first thing I think we see from this account in John chapter six, demanding delays, trusting, demanding delays, trusting. So what do you mean by that? they are making demands of Jesus. They're showing up and they're asking Jesus to do something for them. And in the middle of making these demands, what they're missing is that Jesus has already demonstrated enough to give them evidence that they could actually trust him as the Messiah. But they miss this and they continue to make demands of him. Did you catch what verse 30 said in this long passage I just read? Let me read it to you again. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? This is crazy. The very people who had eaten from the bread and fish that Jesus had multiplied less than 12 hours before, the very people who were there to experience this amazing miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people are the very people who the next day are looking at Jesus and saying, Hey, what are you going to do for a sign? I mean, how are we gonna really believe you? Can't you do something to prove to us that you are who you say you are? Can you imagine eating some of the food that Jesus multiplied and less than 12 hours later, demanding that he do something for you? And see, what this is reminding us is that regardless of the evidence that Jesus puts forth that he is who he claims to be, our relationship with him is always based on trust. Our relationship with him always comes Through faith. But Jesus was not asking them to place their faith in him without giving them any evidence. I mean, he had just done this incredible miracle and now he's calling himself the Son of Man. And they're missing the opportunity to trust him as the Messiah because they're placing more demands on him to continue to show more things. And I think this is a helpful reminder that sometimes we come across individuals who are more skeptical of our faith. So they have a difficult time believing the things that we claim that Jesus is God's Son, that Jesus died on the cross for our sin, that he defeated death through the resurrection, that he appeared to his disciples and over five hundred people for the next forty days, and that he ascended into heaven with the promise that he will return. And I can't tell you how many times over the years I've talked with individuals who say, Listen, I just I just can't buy that. There's just too many gaps. There's just too many holes. There's too many questions I have. I can't place my faith in something like that. And I have a hard time understanding how you could place your faith in that. I just got too many questions. And a number of times over the years, as individuals have shared that with me, I've responded lovingly. This isn't something that I want to fight over. But lovingly, what I've said a few times over the years is, let's just imagine for a moment that there were actually answers to all of your questions. Like, what if for a moment God could actually show you the answers to all of your questions that you have? Would that change anything? And they usually look at me with a rather puzzled look. And what I try to explain to them is that the barrier that we have to placing our faith in Jesus Christ is not from unanswered questions. The barrier that we have for placing our faith in Jesus Christ is not from a lack of evidence. The barrier that all of us have when it comes to placing our faith in Jesus Christ is our own pride. The barrier that we have in placing our faith in Jesus Christ is that it requires humility. But just like then, Jesus does not ask us now to place our faith in him without providing evidence. Now, we may not be able to eat the actual bread and fish that he multiplied but we have 2,000 years of church history and we have lots of evidence that will verify that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he hung on a cross, he was dead, he was alive again. So if you've got a friend that's a skeptic or maybe you're a skeptic and you're joining us today, I wanna say thank you, I'm glad you're here and I appreciate you having an open mind. But during this season where perhaps you have a little bit more time to read than usual, let me recommend a book for you. This book is called The Historical Jesus. It's by Dr. Gary Habermas and this book is full of evidence outside of biblical sources that attest to the truth that we believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, that he was dead, that he was alive again, and that multiple people saw him. And it's a reminder that when Jesus calls us to trust him, he's not calling us to have blind faith, that he does give us evidence. In that day, he gave them evidence. He had just blessed them with food, but they missed it and they're demanding, rob them of the opportunity to place their trust in him. I would encourage you to not let that happen to you as well. And I would encourage you to continue to study and read and look because there is evidence that backs up the claims that we believe about Jesus Christ. And perhaps in this season, you could begin to see that and, and maybe become more comfortable with the notion of placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your savior. The second thing I think we see from this story from John chapter six is that our everyday needs point us to our eternal need. Everyday needs point us to our eternal need. Eating bread was an everyday need for the individuals in this story. I mean, where they were going to find their next meal was a point of contention. This is why they're chasing Jesus down. He fed them and they need more food and they want Jesus to feed them food. And Jesus takes that everyday need and presents himself as their eternal answer. And it's interesting that what Jesus tells them is you think you need bread, but what you really need is me. And sometimes when we recognize that our everyday needs reveal a greater need that exists at a soul level rather than acknowledge that greater need, we do what they did in the story. It was kind of a quick verse in there. But in verse 28, they literally looked at Jesus and said, well, what work are we supposed to do that God requires? It's always easier to say, well, what could I do for God than to just recognize that I might have a need pointing me, pointing me towards a greater need of God. And Jesus says, you don't need to do anything except believe on the one whom he has sent. And what I would say to you is that multiple people and multiple ideas exist that in order for us to know God, we must do things for God. The key to knowing God is accepting his son Jesus for who he claimed to be. But make no mistake about it, every need that we encounter in our everyday life, if we have an open mind and if we have an open heart, can actually reveal a greater need that we have for an eternal Savior, which leads us to our third point that I ask you to jot down today. Name your need, don't shame your need. Truly, I'm trying to have a a, a catchy thing for you to write down. I'm trying to play on words there. So jot it down, and then maybe I can explain this. Name your need. Don't shame your need. The individuals who Jesus fed, it was so obvious what they needed. They needed food. And, and, And there's really no shame in admitting that you need food. And Jesus met them where they were at, and he provided food for them. But, for most of us that 's not our most immediate need, where our next meal is going to come from. Now, having said that, maybe you 're joining us today, and that is an immediate need for you i 'm fully aware that we have multiple people in our immediate community that that is a need in this season and i 'm really encouraged to see that multiple churches and multiple organizations have stepped up to make sure that nobody in the Montgomery area goes hungry during the season. but if that 's you and you need some help, just send us an email care at vonfor com We will meet you where you're at and help you meet that need. But for many of us, finding our next meal is not our greatest need. For many of us, especially in a season like this, our greatest needs exist at a a soul level. Our greatest needs exist at an emotional level where we deal with anxiety and worry and depression and this angst and uncertainty and all of that gets in our soul and on some level it creates a need and there's something that needs to be done with this and we're not good at that at all. We're not any good at acknowledging that we have that need. And here's the worst part of it. Many times when we find ourselves in that place where we have this need at a soul level, this need, with our emotions, this need that we need something or someone or something to help us with, rather than admit that, rather than acknowledge that, we beat ourselves up for that. We shame our need. The enemy loves to do this. He loves to step into our thoughts and say, really, you're gonna have a need like that when there are people who are sick? when there are people who need to eat and you're gonna get so wrapped up in in this, I mean, how selfish can you be? And those thoughts from the enemy get into our mind and rather than name our need, rather than admit our need, we shame ourselves for even having that need. And see, when we admit that we have a need at a soul level and we acknowledge that we have a need, here's where it leaves us, vulnerable. We don't like to be vulnerable. We do everything we can to protect ourselves from being vulnerable. We like to be secure. We like to be independent. We like to be self-sufficient, admitting that we have a need at a soul level, admitting that we have need when it comes to some emotions, maybe that we're not quite sure what to do with during this season. We would rather suppress that, shame that, not name it, not admit it. And when we do that, we follow a path of destruction because those things cannot stay suppressed forever. We will eventually find a way to cope with those, and most of the coping mechanisms that people step into are very destructive. Here's what I wanna encourage you with today. Whatever your greatest need is right now, that is your clearest line of communication to Jesus. Whatever your greatest need is right now, that is the clearest way for you to see God's power in your life. Jesus met the people who were hungry at their greatest point of need. He gave them bread. Jesus wants to meet you today in your greatest point of need. Jesus will never shame you for your need. Jesus is for you. Jesus has great plans for your life. Jesus is waiting for you to say, Jesus, I have this need today. When I say something like your greatest need is your greatest opportunity to have a line of communication with Jesus, we've kind of over-spiritualized that. I'm just talking about prayer. Prayer is many times us just verbalizing what we need to Jesus. So many times we don't give ourselves the freedom or the grace or the permission to do that because we don't think our needs are big enough for Jesus's attention. Can I tell you that's a lie from the enemy? That Jesus is for you. And that Jesus wants you to take your need and he wants you to name it before him, to him. And here's why. Because he'll meet you at your greatest point of need. And when Jesus meets you, when Jesus meets me, when Jesus meets us at our greatest point of need, it is his opportunity to remind us of our ultimate need, which is him. But see, we miss that. And our needs that we face right now are the way that he reminds us That every time we go to Jesus with a need, he is gracious enough to meet us in that need. He is gracious enough to feed the people who needed bread that day. He is gracious enough to meet you at your point of need. But because he's our savior and because he loves us and because he is for us, he then reminds us, listen, there is an eternal need behind this and I'm the only one that can meet that need. I wanna encourage you wherever you're at, whatever it is that you're facing, whatever emotion that you're dealing with, whatever's going on in your soul, Jesus desires for you to name that to him. Name that for him. And that is your prayer. You know, maybe you're watching today and you're realizing that your greatest need is that you don't have a Savior. That maybe the reality that you have tried to fill emotional needs, all of these needs in your life over the years with a number of different things, and you've actually been left wanting, you've actually been left unfulfilled is actually proving that Jesus is who he said he was, that when Jesus said he was the bread of life, he meant it, that he was the only one who could actually meet that eternal need And your life is evidence that what he said is true, because you've tried a number of things to meet that need, and you've been left unfulfilled. Hey, if that's you today, can I encourage you with something? You don't have to have everything figured out about Jesus Christ to accept him as your Savior, and maybe right now in this moment, you could just come before him and say, Jesus, I want to admit that I need you. Yeah, I need you in a lot of areas in my life right now, but ultimately, I need you to be my savior. Jesus, I want to admit that I am a sinner who placed you on the cross. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross in my place. I believe you defeated death through the resurrection, and I want to ask you to come into my life and meet my greatest need, which is salvation. Meet my greatest need, which is to have a savior. And Jesus, from this day forward, I wanna declare you to be the Lord of my life. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I wanna encourage you to let us know. You can let us know through your connection card. You can let us know by sending me an email, but we want to come alongside you and join you in your new faith journey. You know, maybe you're here today and you prayed that prayer a long time ago. You've been walking with Jesus for a number of years, but actually being vulnerable enough to admit to Jesus that you've got a need in this season That just kind of came out of nowhere. Maybe you've never struggled with worry, and all of a sudden you're struggling with worry. Maybe anxiety has always been something that other people struggled with, but not you. You were the pillar of strength, but in a moment of honesty, you would say, I'm struggling with anxiety. Maybe the, the notion of the future has always excited you, but for the first time in your life, thinking about the future is causing some fear and apprehension. Maybe in this moment, you just admit that to Jesus I was reminded this week of one of my favorite hymns I was fortunate enough to grow up in church and we didn't have like a big band like we have here and we didn't sing a lot of updated songs like we sing now and I love the new songs that we sing we sang the hymns of old and some of those hymns just stuck with me over the years and one of them is really simple and it's just this It's just this declaration that, Lord, I need you. But because it was written a long time ago in the language that they spoke more frequently, more commonly back then, the hymn says, I need thee. Lord, I need thee. And in this season and in this message and Jesus presenting himself as the bread of life, maybe in this moment we could just simply be reminded of our need for our Savior. So Charles is gonna sing this song over you In just a moment, before he does, would you join me as we pray together? Lord, we wanna come and declare that we need you. Lord, we don't wanna let our pride get in the way of declaring in our vulnerable state our need for a savior, not a savior who gets us into heaven one day, but a savior who gets us through this day. Lord, we know that in every season our need for you is the same, but Lord, there are some seasons that make that need more obvious. This is that season. So, Lord, we come before you and we just want to, in these next few moments, declare our need for you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. I need
1: thee every hour, a most gracious Lord, and no tender voice like thine can peace. And I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my savior. I come to thee, and I need thee, oh. Every hour I need thee, oh bless me now, my savior. I come to thee.
0: So, Jesus, in every hour we need you. Jesus, may this be a season where we get comfortable acknowledging that, where that actually becomes our new norm. That phrase is getting thrown out a lot these days. Maybe our new norm could be acknowledging our need for you daily, hourly. Lord, we're grateful that you meet us at our point of need. Lord, give us the courage to voice that to you, to experience your power. Lord, thank you for meeting with us today. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. I hope that that encouraged you today. And I want you to be reminded this week, when that fear sets in, when that anxiety sets in, when that worry sets in, let that be the opportunity to declare that need to your Savior and let him meet you right where you're at. I wanna thank you for joining us and I wanna remind you that we're gonna continue this series next Sunday, if you wanna read on ahead in the Gospel of John, you can certainly do that. We're just gonna be doing this for seven weeks. Uh, I mentioned earlier giving. Thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, you can continue to give on our website, vaughnforest.com, through our app, uh, through text to give uh, continuing to meet in our life groups this week. It's been so great to hear from so many of you. What a blessing and encouragement that's been. And then finally, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock on our Facebook page, Uh, We're going through the book of Philippians and we're about to finish up. So we're gonna be finishing up Philippians this week, uh, starting a new book of the Bible. So I hope you'll be joining us for our devotion tomorrow. Hope you'll be back with us next Sunday as we continue our I Am Teaching series. I hope you have a great rest of your day.